speak. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning. Uh, Dennis has got the day off, so uh, Keith is filling in. And um, we got a good show planned for today. It was a, it was a busy, busy week. Uh, the New England Motor Press ha- had its annual technology conference and awards presentation, and that takes place... Uh, at MIT, and this year it was about the vehicle user experience, and that could be anything from uh, autonomous vehicles to what it's like to be inside the car. We had a we had a good list of uh, speakers. Uh, my job was to sort of facilitate it all, welcome everybody for lunch. Uh, we had a lunchtime speaker that talked about how Ford is changing the way they're looking at mobility. And then we also had a uh, a panel, a, a group of panels. Uh, it was a panel discussion group, and it was somebody from SAE, uh, somebody from Consumer Reports, and her specialty is sort of the, the whole user experience as well. And then we had somebody from Qualcomm, an electronics company. And then we also had uh, somebody from Hyundai. I think I'm missing somebody, but we had we had a, we had a good we had a good group though, and it was kind of interesting because as part of the whole uh, group, as part of the whole group, what was what was interesting was we were able to look at how everything was changing, and also the panelists seemed to learn a little bit from each other as well, which was which was always kind of interesting. When the panel discussion got over, we had a little Q and A section going on and then we finished that up and then around 5:30 or so we got together again and we had the New England Motor Press awards presentation for our favorite winter vehicles and convertibles and again this year the Mazda Miata uh, did extremely well in the convertible uh, uh um, coming up in, I think, a week or so, we're going to be talking to Lisa Copeland. Lisa Copeland's a former managing partner at Fiat uh, Alfa Romeo of Austin. Uh, she's taken her mission to empower female car buyers a step further with her new book, Car Buying Her Way, uh, The Fierce Girl's Roadmap to the Car of Your Dreams. And we're going to be talking to her sometime next week. We're also going to be talking in a week or so to somebody from Cars.com, sort of the ultimate car for um, for Father's Day, for Dad. So you know what? What do? What does Dad go looking for for a car? So we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking for that. There was a really kind of funny Mercedes. Well, it's a BMW commercial, and uh, uh, Dieter Zetcher retired uh, as uh, chairman, I guess, from uh, Daimler, and they did a uh, they did a commercial. And what the what uh, BMW did is they found a actor who looked just like him, and it shows him leaving leaving the uh, leaving the Mercedes Benz offices and um, nope. and uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, saying goodbye, and then he, he you see him go to his house and he waves the yeah. waves the BMW limousine off, and uh, waves the Mercedes Benz limousine off, and then he goes to uh, goes to goes to open his garage, and you can see an antique Mercedes in the garage, but then he he. The garage door opens up, and then all of a sudden you see a BMW i8 drive out, and uh, it was it was kind of a, it was kind of a cute little thing, and it says uh, the the picture I have here says Dieter Zetsch's retirement from Daimler prompted a cheeky tribute from his company's chief rival BMW. Congratulated uh, Zetcher on his career with a video on Twitter showing a lookalike riding home after his last day, then peeling out of his garage in a BMW i8 with a caption that says "Free at last." So. Hmm. Uh, this was sort of a, an interesting article, only because it seems a little bit weird, but it actually fits into a pretty good category. It says, how to maximize the, your golf cart battery's life. And this is actually any vehicle. And it says, um, some things to do uh, if you're, you know, any electric. Now, this could be an electric, anything that's electric. It could be, uh, it could be an electric golf cart it could be an electric trolling motor it could be any kind of battery and pushing your pushing the battery to its limits or adding more weight than its capacity wear batteries down fast quality of the battery has significant role but some of the some of the tips they talk about things you should do um you know not charging the batteries completely or often enough can cause a problem if um uh, half uh, half charged batteries can form a sulfation memory and may not be able to accept a charge beyond that point. Uh, so that's one of the things you have to worry about. Um, also, if your if your batteries are the type you can add water to, and a lot of uh, a lot of deep cycle uh, lead acid batteries are that type. You know, don't overfill them. You should keep the water about a quarter to a half inch above the plates, and um, also really using them beyond their ex uh, their normal range can when you're pushing them really really hard that can be that can be a problem so never totally discharge even a deep cycle battery never completely bring it down to to zero so whether it's a trolling motor or a golf cart or whatever the case is uh never bring it down never bring it down that far so there's a, a lot of a lot of different things that you can do to make sure that Everything's working the way it should. I wrote uh, the headline article in the Boston Globe this morning was, should you use a quick lube shop? And uh, people wrote in to me and said, uh, you know, is, is a quick lube a good idea? And I have mixed feelings on it because my feelings are that um, I think they're for practicality, for for what exactly what they're designed for being quick they do a pretty good job but on the other hand i think one of the problems is when you people don't bring their cars in for service like they used to you might only bring your car in used to be your people brought their car in every two or three thousand miles for an oil change now we're going six and seven thousand sometimes ten thousand miles between oil changes and i like to make sure that um that if you're if you are going in um when you go into a full-service shop, I like to think, because at least the full-service shops I used to work at years ago, there was always, even if it was a younger technician that was doing an oil change, there was always a more experienced person that would come in and come over and just 
give the car a quick checkup. And sometimes I think at the quick lube places, you might not always have that happening. In fact, I was talking to someone recently who had a Nissan, and they brought it in pretty regularly for service. And it would end at a quick lube every four or 5,000 miles. And what they did was change the oil. They never mentioned the, the floor was completely rotted out of the car. And at some point, the car was getting to the point where... Um, it just wasn't really serviceable anymore. Other than what you would do is, you know, you look at it and go, well, I'm going to have to put a couple thousand dollars um, into fixing this car and make sure that... Uh, Make sure that it's going to be safe, and the condition it was in wasn't safe. And sometimes when the service stops at the oil drain plug and the oil filter, and people aren't looking any further, that's where you can really run into, where you can really run into some serious issues. So I like to say that you know maybe a quick lube every other oil change is not a bad idea, but the idea of uh, having that having that technician that has been around for a while that knows other things to look for. I saw I saw and heard a car at a quick lube one day and it pretty obviously had an issue with the transmission and it was never mentioned. So the person was coming in for an oil change, but you could hear when the transmission went into reverse, it flared for a second, it slipped for a second. Now, I assume they checked the transmission fluid, and they probably did, but did they notice that the transmission wasn't in good shape? So again, I kind of have that little bit of a little bit of an issue with, you know, is it is it something that you want to look at and want to make sure it's okay? Ford Motor Company has teamed up with Agility Robotics to develop a robot that will deliver packages right to your door. Automakers are working on ways of, that self-driving cars can deliver pizza mail and all sorts of packages to consumer homes. But even if they figure out how to reach someone's driveway without human intervention, there's another conundrum to solve. How do you get to the front door? Well, Ford Motor Company, in partnership with Agility Robotics last week, showed one possible way to address the last 50-foot problem. A two-legged robot named Digit can pop out of the back of a vehicle, traverse steps and other uneven terrain, and even react to being bumped into without falling over. As humans, we take these abilities for granted, but as they become extremely important when engineering a robot to navigate the nuances of various environments. Ken Washington, Ford's Vice President of Research and Advanced Engineering, wrote in a post on Medium, to keep the robot agile and lightweight, uh, Washington said most of the sensors and computing brains Digit uses to stay on its feet are located in the vehicle, which wirelessly transmits the best, best path to the door. As um, Bloomberg's Keith Naughton described it, echoing the famous tabloid line, it's a headless robot in a driverless car. So um, kind of kind of, a, kind of an interesting thing. And our buddy uh, Craig Fitzgerald, when he used to work out in, I think he used to work out in the Westboro area, they were always testing robots behind him. And it was either, you know, something that was uh, sort of looked like a, a humanoid is the wrong thing. But he also, he always seemed to be taking pictures of robotic cows. And that's what they looked like. They looked like robotic cows. And uh, they were always kind of walking through the woods over behind them. So, oh, it's just kind of a Kind of a funny thing. So, GM Trucks a Diesel has a slight delay. The wait for the first turbo diesel and light duty full size uh, 
pickup from General Motors is more than two decades, uh, will be longer than planned. GM is postponing the launch of a new inline six turbo diesel in the Chevrolet Silverado uh, until probably next year sometime. The EPA's emission certification process for the engine is taking longer than anticipated, creating a slight delay, according to a memo GM sent its dealers last week. The full-size diesel pickups are expected to go on sale for the 2019 model year and arrive early in 2019, uh, well, months after the gasoline version started to arrive. And GM said the 2020 diesel pickup production will begin soon, but the delay means dealer orders for 2019 models will be canceled and must be resubmitted. Dealers and customers impacted by the cancellations will be offered a replacement 2020 vehicle, according to the memo. Uh, notifications and timing of the replacement orders will be provided later, the company said. A company spokesman said dealers' orders for the 2020 diesel models will open soon. He decided to, he declined to comment on how many orders were placed for the 2019 model year. The U.S. government has taken a stricter stance on emission certification, particularly on diesel engines, since the Volkswagen Group's sweeping emissions violations emerged in 2015. Other automakers, including Fiat Chrysler and BMW Group, have also been forced to delay launches because of prolonged certification process. The three-liter Duramax engine is GM's first turbo diesel in a light-duty full-size pickup truck since 1997. The 97 diesel, I don't know if I really remember it, but I'm pretty sure earlier on GM tried to do that diesel gas conversion, which was pretty awful, actually. So, um, But it seems as if, I mean, in the Colorado, the mid-size truck, uh, the, and, and even earlier on in some of the cars, um, GM was offering a diesel engine, and I'm not sure. You know, a lot of people talked about how much they wanted it, but when they came down to buying it, I'm not sure what actually happened. So, I'm not sure. So, um, but anyway, so you know those kind of things. Those kind of things are going on out in the industry as well. Um, to make room for upcoming electrified models, there's going to be some changes at BMW and Audi. And Volkswagen is going with a very aggressive plan to move on to electrified vehicles. Volkswagen groups, uh, it's a $50 billion strategy to put electric uh, numbers on battery electric vehicles um, on the world's roads. Less likely to uh, spell the end of for some of Audi's low volume. And on the Volkswagen side... One of the ones we're talking about losing is the Golf vehicles, uh, which is kind of disappointing, actually. At Audi uh, annual shareholders meeting in Germany last week, the brand uh, had uh, Bram Schott uh, confirmed plans to kill the gasoline-powered compact TT Sport Coupe and replace it with a vehicle in the same price range. He discussed doing so at the brand's annual press conference, but the decision has not been finalized. He said at the time, he told shareholders, similar fate awaits for the gasoline-powered uh, R8 supercar, which I have never actually driven. In medium terms, we want to have the strongest range of electric vehicles among premium competitors. Audi also plans other changes in his lineups. The Audi A8 might go all electric. Nothing has been cited, decided yet. 
but I can well imagine, he said, adding a successor flagship, the company's uh, new concept. Meanwhile, U.S. Volkswagen dealers were told last week the brand will pair off the Golf family offerings, eliminating the Golf Sport Wagon, Station Wagon, as well as a version of Base Golf after the current generations. The higher-priced Golf R and GTI will continue to be offered. I don't know. That seems like a mistake to me. Um, the Golf R, they don't sell a whole lot of. And the uh, GTI, uh, which is a really good car. I drove it when I was in Florida. I liked it a lot. Um, but if that's the only offering, it, it's a $35,000 Golf. Seems like Volkswagen needs a $20,000 Golf. But uh, plans uh, could still change. However, the base Golf is the top-selling car of Volkswagen in Canada, and dealers may not be willing to give up. Give it up. If uh, Volkswagen Canada is able to make a successful business case for golf, it would continue to be offered in the U.S. as well, said a source knowledgeable with the situation. Volkswagen's next-generation golf has been spotted testing in Europe with a much more advanced digital cockpit, so kind of doing away with some of the uh, some of the, the things that they have to deal with. So, uh, Speaking of electric cars, it might be a good time to talk about the electric car that got me around a little bit last week, and that is the Kia Nero electric vehicle. It's just one version of Nero that can also be powered by a gasoline engine or as a plug-in hybrid. The Nero has the look of a small station wagon or SUV. As an electric vehicle, the Nero works extremely well with 239 uh, miles of range. Recharging is best performed with a level 2 or level 3 fast charger. Level 3 fast charging can bring the battery to about 80% capacity in about an hour. Level 2 charging requires about 9 hours to fully recharge a depleted battery. Although there is 117-volt convenience charging, it could take several days to recharge a completely depleted battery with uh, typical house current. With 239 miles of indicated range, there is a... There is really little range anxiety. My commute is about 100 miles round trip, and using a combination of available level 2 charging and house current in the evening, the Nero always had plenty of range. So when I was at work sometimes, I would charge up at work, not always, once in a while, and then at night when I'd come home, I'd plug it into house current. But I wouldn't. I would never try to take it from zero. I was always just sort of topping it off. Uh, even though it said it had 239 miles of range, one day I charged it up at work, it said it had 239 or 240-something miles. I drove it to 50 miles home, and I still had 229 miles. So either the, it's optimistic or I'm a pretty easy driver and took advantage of regenerative braking. Um, I don't drive many electric cars. I've never driven one with this much range. At no point did I ever feel the need to find a recharging station for emergency recharging. I was never driving 240 miles at one time. In fact, I went to Logan Airport and back with the car, no problem at all. The overall driving experience is quite good, handling stable and secure. The ride's pretty comfortable. On the road, the best performance comes out on the highway. Unlike a lot of electric cars where kind of 0 to 30 is really good, it seems like Kia tempered that a little bit. The performance seems to come from sort of 40 to 65 miles an hour. Uh, the Nero, uh, although it looks like a small... SUV doesn't have all-wheel drive, and the suspension is made for on-road, not off-road travel. The interior is comfortable with uh, all the controls easy to use. The shifter is a simple rotary knob with only two positions. Click to the right for drive, click, click to the left for reverse. 
push down for park. There's good-sized knobs and buttons for the infotainment system, climate control, and a large display for the navigation system. Like many cars today, it's uh, easy to connect a smartphone and take advantage of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. The sound system our EV was a premium version, and even to my tone-deaf ears, sounded pretty good. The front seats were quite comfortable, and the upright seating position gives a nice unobstructed view of the road. The rear seat head and legroom are pretty good, but the floors raise slightly. It's not particularly uncomfortable. It just feels a little bit odd that your feet are up a little higher than you think they should be. Um, Storage is quite good with about 19 cubic feet of storage space. If you fold the rear seats, it goes down to a regular SUV-sounding space of 50 cubic feet. Um, our premium trim Nero had all the latest comfort and convenience features such as heated and cool front seats, wireless phone charging, automatic climate control, lane centering, adaptive cruise control, great performing LED lights. Overall fit and finish is pretty good. There's a mix of top quality materials. And maybe just a bit too much hard plastic, but overall the Nero competes well with other vehicles in its class. The Nero EV by Kia is slightly boring, unremarkable vehicle that is a very good vehicle to drive. For many drivers, the electric Nero could easily complete the majority of their driving tasks. If you're looking for an electric car or even replacing a gasoline car, the Nero is worth a look. Fuel economy is about 239 miles E. Electric is what they're saying. Uh... Prices tested, well, they don't give these away, $47,000, but you still are able to take advantage of um, the government rebates. Not Rebates isn't the right word. Government tax incentives to buy them because they haven't sold many. And how does it do on crash testing? Well, it doesn't do very well because they haven't tested it yet. So it could do very well. We just don't know. Why don't we take a quick break? How's that? We got some, right. take a break so I can take a breath. Um. You're listening to the Car Doctor program in AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or 100.3 FM. Uh, maybe you're listening on the app, WROLradio.com. We'll be right back. Well, the other day I went out in my rig to some Saturday tracks that I heard was big. My rig is a big old Cadillac towing a big double A that is jet black. The thing on behind is so boss and clean, and all the sandbaggers know it's really a scream. They all stand back when I come on the scene with my big mean dragging machine. I tow her to the line and the crowd stops. She walk a thunderbird like she's standing still. She's boarded and relieved and she's stroking for two. Do 140 in the top end for cheap. My little scoop, you don't know what I got. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. I'm not sure what happened to our uh, our guest, Joe Sapphire, but. Uh, 
We've called them, we've texted them, we've done everything we can. So if you want to call us, our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Mazda pricing of SkyActiveX in Japan could signal a U.S. strategy. Mazda isn't talking much yet about its next generation of SkyActive engine in the U.S., but the power plant's rollout in Japan foreshadows the high-tech's offering plays into the carmaker's global strategy to improve its brand image. This is all according to Automotive News. Sky Active X will be added as a powertrain option in Japan this fall, in which uh, um, the redesigned Mazda 3 small car went on sale here last week. When it arrives, the four-cylinder, two-liter Sky Active X will be its top option in four powertrains. I like the Mazda 3 a lot, by the way. The X marks the pinnacle because it, it blends the best of Sky Active G engines and Sky Active D diesel engines that sit below it. So... Um, Pretty good stuff. It combines the advantages of both. Uh, it was developed as a top-end engine using technology called spark control compression ignition, sort of like, um, sort of like uh, a variety of things actually. So, uh, uh, pretty good stuff. So, using technology, it's uh, a little bit diesel, a little bit gas. It kind of works in a variety of ways. Um, so, how will this translate to U.S. showrooms is still unclear, but I'm willing to bet it's going to show up here at some point. The goal is to keep Mazda's entry-level price but extend the range upward. The Mazda 3 trim level, a variety of packages, kind of starts at around uh, $24,000, including tax, and goes up from there. Well, why don't we take a couple phone calls? Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's go to, let's go to uh, Mike in Hingham. Good, good morning, Mike. Hey, how you doing today, Doctor? Uh, things are a little rough around the edges this morning with our guests, but other than that, it's all fine. So you're here, so that hey, makes it better. That's what I say. You got me one more than you need, right? I, I don't need anything. You're right. There you go. Hey, quick comment. I just noticed in the last couple of, Last month, so more cars driving around without their headlights on. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I don't know if is it because of the new driving lights in some of the cars, the daytime driving lights are so bright, but last night I saw three of them. Yeah. They you know, around you know, 8 or 9 o'clock yeah. at night, and you flash your lights on them, and they, 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 they put them back on. But just an interesting phenomenon. I never saw that before. Well, I think well, I think in some cases what it is, um, you're absolutely right. You drive if your car. My wife's Volkswagen is a good example of that. It has pretty good daytime running lights. Uh, they actually what they do is they fire up the high beams on a lower voltage, and um, and they look when if you didn't notice, you'd say, oh, it looks like the lights are on, but they're not really on. It's just the daytime running lights are on until you look down at the dash and you realize, oh wait, I haven't turned the lights on. Uh, the other thing is, I think a lot of people are driving uh, driving around with uh, burnt out headlights, and they don't even notice it sometimes. But, um, but yeah, I think I think it's a combination of things. I think you're right. I think it's people driving around with daytime running lights, and they forget to turn their lights on. And some daytime running lights use a use a a, a brighter, uh, you know, sort of like the turn signal bulb, and that qualifies as daytime running lights. Um, so you're, you're right. I think there is a fair amount of people that are just driving around. And especially now that the days are getting a little bit longer, people are forgetting yeah. to turn their lights on. Yeah, and you just flash your lights. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me give you another comment while I got you. If I was going to go out to buy a new car today, I'd buy the Mazda 3 uh, uh, all-wheel drive car. Yeah. 
I, I think that's I think that's got to be the the nicest car. I haven't driven one yet, but I just like the sound of it and everything. Yeah, I drove I drove it a couple weeks ago. It's pretty impressive. It really is pretty impressive. It's a it they they uh, it's it's all new. In fact, I was talking to the PR person for Mazda a couple weeks ago, and you know they have they have they get these six month leases to. Uh, kind of try out their different cars and she said oh yeah you know i i have one on order and she's giving up uh she's giving up uh, an suv for this because she was so interested and saw all the engineering that went into it it's a well-engineered car that's well thought out um but the whole problem is cars are just getting you know the average transaction price of a car today is up in the up in the low 30s yeah, I mean, it's, well, I, I, we've talked about this too, is that, I mean, I think that the, either people are going to be leasing cars or they're going to be, you know, these, these once once this 5G gets, once we get 5G, yep. then they can turn on the automatic cars. The, the whole thing right now is waiting for 5G to happen so they can get the edge computer right into the car. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, one, <laughs> it was, at our panel discussion this week at... Uh, that I moderated, we had somebody from Qualcomm, somebody from uh, uh, Hyundai on the panel, somebody from SAE on the panel, and uh, somebody from Consumer Reports. And Qualcomm actually has kind of a hybrid technology that they claim for vehicle autonomy and other things can work equally well with 3G and 4G, and they don't need 5G. Um, there, there is uh, a technology, DSRC, the short-range digital communications, which was going to be the, the, the reserved band the government was going to go, and the government said, well, maybe that's not a good idea. Let's go with 5G. Um, and uh, it, it almost got to be quite the heated argument between the Consumer Reports uh, person who was very knowledgeable and the Qualcomm engineer who was also very knowledgeable. And at one point, uh, she, she said... Uh, I need to see your research, and it was it was it was all kind of it was all kind of interesting, and um, uh, uh, I forget the three letter acronym that Qualcomm had, but it's uh, it's it, it's what's nice about it is it's not a subscription base, and that's one of the fears that everybody has with five G that it's going to have to be some sort of a, a subscription still, where they they said no, it's just going to be embedded in the car, and it's going to work, and it's going to work. Uh, they've been testing it with Panasonic out in, uh, I'm going to say Utah or somewhere out that way. And uh, they claim, they claim it's, uh, that system is, is better than, uh, better than both. So who, who knows, who knows what the real answer is, but yeah, but I think 5G, 5G when it comes out is going to, is going to turn the cable companies on their head because you're, at least you'll finally have an alternative to cable. Uh, So you'll have a lot of, you'll have a lot of variety of things to, to look at. So, you know, I, I don't know what you know. I don't know where it's going to go. I know your background is uh, is all about electronics. So, what do you think? Uh, I think five G is going to be the standard, and uh, and also I, I I'm, I'm not a big big uh, fan, but I'm going to tell you that I think our president is doing the right thing by by getting away from Huawei. Uh, I've been in their plant in China. Mm. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy that they're going to go uh, with, we have to have that standard here, yeah. controlled by the United States. So, not to get political, yeah. but I'm so yeah, happy that's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, we'll leave that yeah. for Joe Ligotti's show or somebody else. <laughs> you got All right. I have a quick question. It, sure. it, isn't 5G out already? Because I uh, see 5G very, on my phone. No, no. Two, two years. Two yeah. years. Oh, a couple oh, years was, still. Yep. Was, okay. 
I had dinner with a person in Cisco two day two weeks ago. Fine, we're going to do the backbone. They said two years. Yeah, yeah. Isn't isn't uh, uh, you know once you're in once you're in that business, you can't stop talking about it though, can you? Even, yeah, even, 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 at, even at dinner. Even we were tired. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, take care, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Yep, Thank bye-bye. you very much. Bye-bye. All right, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. I think we have Rick on the line. Rick from Boston, yep. Yep, good old Rick. Rick, is that you? Rick? Yep, that's me. Good, good thing. Good thing. Okay, uh, you shouldn't worry about doing yourself. What that means is that you got experience. Is that what it is? Yeah. All right, I'll, 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 uh, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. And here's a question for you and your Motor Press Association buddies. Uh, have you ever done motorcycles? If not, why and when were you? Uh, let's see. Have we ever done motorcycles? Not really. When will be? Not sure. Uh, and why? Because they don't make them available like well, I should say like cars they don't make cars available that much either anymore but um, when I road test a car the car comes from the vehicle manufacturer it doesn't come from a dealer it doesn't come from yeah. a, a regional office it comes directly from like right now I'm driving a Volkswagen it comes from Michigan because that's where Volkswagen's office is so it comes from it comes from the main office if I wanted to road test a Honda or a Ducati or a Kawasaki or a Yamaha um, it would have to kind of come the same way a couple of years ago the closest I got was someone offered up a Ducati and a Vespa. And I said, sure. Um, and then it sort of it sort of fell, seemed to fall apart somewhere. But uh, some of the buff books, you know, Motor Trend, Car and Driver, those people, they, are, they will occasionally uh, get uh, a motorcycle to review. Um, you know, the other thing is the delivery of it. It's got to go on a, it's going to go on a trailer. It's not going to, you have to remember the people that deliver the, the vehicle test cars, either you have to go someplace and pick them up or they get delivered to you and they don't, they don't typically, they wouldn't typically ride a motorcycle, have someone in a chase car behind them to pick them up. What they would do is they'd put them in a trailer and trailer them to wherever you are, drop it off, and kind of leave it. Uh, but it's uh, it just ha- it hasn't really happened, and I is I'm renewing my license this this year, and I am going to continue to keep my motorcycle endorsement because you never know. Yeah, well, because well, I know I've been out with moms uh, more than once where mm-hmm. they had the uh, a trailer come in from one um, car company, motorcycle company, and you could take test rides on them and that. Yep. And maybe you can arrange a time with moms or, you know, Boston Harley yep. Davidson yep. or some other place and um, uh, take a test ride and that. Um, in fact, I was up at the Euro dealership a couple of weeks ago when they had an open mm-hmm. house, and you might be even you know, able to get up there yep. and... Maybe not for a whole week like you do yeah. a car, but take it no, out for it a few co- hours. A couple of, you know, it, it was, uh, I haven't been in a few years only because it just hasn't worked into my schedule, but there's another press association I belong to called the International Motor Press Association, and they have a meet up in um, 
it used to be in, well, it started off at Lime Rock and then it went to the Poconos and then it went to, uh, it went to upper state New York up at Monticello Raceway and uh, way up in Sullivan County, way up in the uh, Catskills. And uh, one of the years I went there, uh, they had motorcycles. And they had uh, Honda and Kawasaki both had their motorcycles. And it was everything from something a little lightweight, you know, 250-ish kind of thing to a great big cruiser and sport bike. And it, 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 wasn't, it was not out on the track. It was out on, just out on the road. And, you know, their requirements were you needed to have a motorcycle license, you needed to have a helmet, and you needed to have, um, you know, proper shoes and gloves. Uh, they weren't so fussy about jackets, but you, they wanted to have you at least in some semblance of safety gear. And um, I did take a couple of the motorcycles for a ride, and I remembered how rusty I am riding. So uh, uh, at least on the big bikes. The small ones weren't bad, but the big bikes I forgot that uh, uh, I was a little bit rusty. And also the roads are sort of twisty two-lane 30-mile-an-hour roads, and they're 30 miles an hour because they're twisty and they're two lanes, and it can they can come up on you pretty fast. The turns can come up pretty fast. But occasionally, occasionally that does happen, but it doesn't happen the same way that road test cars are evaluated, though. No, I, I understand that. And uh, when you said you're way up north in the Catskills, uh, the Catskills aren't that way up north. I grew up on the U.S. Canadian border. The town north of me was in Canada. Well, yeah, my... my uh, my uh, boss uh, at work, uh, uh, I think he, uh, I think he belonged to a ski team that was actually in Canada. He was, he was way up. Uh, he was, I think, six more, five or six more hours north of Ellsworth. Mm-hmm. So that sounds up north to me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. potato farmer, you know. Well, why don't you just, you know, um, just moms or. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's something certainly. Yes, yeah, something to certainly think of. All right, Rick. All right, thanks. Okay. All right, take care. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is our number, and how you get through and talk to us about your vehicle and maybe vehicle problems. Uh, we can always look up, you know, see if there's any kind of information that maybe the manufacturers put out that might help you with getting your car repaired. Uh, we have uh, we have that ability to look that up on all data, which is where I get most of my information. Uh, I sometimes split it up between all data and uh, another company called Mitchell on Demand, and uh, always try to always try to help and do a little bit of research at the same time and see if we can come up with something that you know, just make life a little bit easier for people. Um, next Saturday. If you're up at the if you're up in the Burlington area, um, I'm going to be a judge at a car show at the uh, Burlington Police Department. Uh, Sergeant Bernie Schipoletti asked me whether I would be willing to um, willing to come out and uh, and be a judge, and I said absolutely. And it's uh, kind of worked out kind of worked out well because. Uh, uh, my wife is going to be out of town that day, so I said, "Why not? What else have I got to do?" So, uh, so I'm going to go up, going to go up there and check out, check out what's uh, what's going on up there. And it's been a while since I've been a judge at a car show, so it should be it should be kind of fun to should be kind of fun to do that. And I think the show is going to take place from uh, eleven to eleven to 
two maybe or 10 to two. I'll get a little bit more information and figure it out from there. Uh, and if the, the rain date is on a Sunday, the uh, but the it's planned for Saturday. And also um, the Hull car show, the Nantasket Beach car show, is the following Sunday. So it's car show season starting to come up. And the uh, the the one in Nantasket's a, a really good show too. So that's worth taking a taking a run over to Nantasket Beach and look at as well. Our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven. 770-3030. Remember, uh, the Car Doctor program is brought to you in part by AAA, the AAA Auto Club, my employer for the past nearly 35 years. And I've wow. been there because it's a good place to work. Mm-hmm. So if you're also, if you're looking for a job, you might want to... Uh, you might want to uh, check out, uh, go to AAA.coms and look for the job section. And you look at that. But if you want to become, if you're not a AAA member, you can always uh, join AAA. You can join AAA online. You can call them up either way. Um, so, uh, and remember, uh, AAA membership is not on your car. It is on you. And every once in a while, I get an email from somebody who says, how do I add another car to my account? You don't add a car. You just add you. And whether you're in an Uber whether you're in your car, whether you're in a friend's car and you have a flat tire, you're running out of gas, need a jump start, dead battery, need the car towed. Uh, and now, if you want to get the higher levels of service, uh, it used to be that you had to be a, a basic AAA member for a year before you you could get AAA Plus or Premier. Now you can get those services um you can sign up for it right away if you're not a AAA member, and the the service goes into effect in about a week or so. Uh, uh, so you're you're good to go. So uh, it works out. Uh, and um, even though there is, you know, some people say to me, "Well, you can only get four road service calls a year." Well, that's not really true. You can get more than four road service calls a year, uh, but after four, there's a uh, it's a discounted. You you have to you have to pay something, but it's a discounted to have your car towed. So, but other than that, uh, you're good to go. And if your car needs towing four times a year, you either have really bad luck, or maybe it's time to think about a new mechanic. And we can do that for you too. We can have your car towed to an approved auto repair garage where. They are ASE certified. They stand behind their work. Two-year, 24,000-mile warranty. Um, just uh, get the car fixed and get it fixed correctly. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is how you get through. And I think we have uh, I think we have our buddy uh, Peter. Let's go phone. to Howitch, Peter. Ah, which I thought he was in Yarmouth. But anyway, Peter, good morning. Hello. Hello. Hi. John. What'd you move? <laughs> uh, I'm actually uh, house-sitting this weekend, so. Oh. There you go. Anyway, yeah, yeah, how are you? Good. Uh, got a quick qu- a couple, two questions for you this time. Um, what is the, the longest you would go uh, with your Hyundai between how the long the mileage between oil changes, I, I want to just get this. Never more. Idea. Than, I mean, never more than what the manufacturer recommends. I know it sounds like a yeah. cop out of an answer, but if the manufacturer says six months or seventy five hundred miles, that's as far as I would go. Even though yeah. uh, right now my my new car, because the old one was twelve years old and I replaced it with a new one. Um, uh, even though right now it is not using synthetic oil, um, yeah. even with synthetic oil, I would still want to change the oil a couple times a year uh, or mm-hmm. every, every 7,500 miles or so. My wife's Volkswagen, for instance, 
the manufacturer says once a year or ten thousand miles, whichever comes first. And we've been and we've been kind of staying with the once a year thing. Um, the car gets driven pretty easily. It's not, although I do have a good Volkswagen uh, issue story on that. Uh, but the car does. Uh, the the car the car goes you know I don't know maybe six or seven thousand miles a year because it doesn't get driven all that much and um, it's uh, you know I do I do check the oil every every uh, I don't know probably every six weeks or so just to make sure that there's not any issues with any oil consumption uh, you know even even an engine that's in good shape can burn a quart of oil in a thousand miles so going there sure. that's my biggest concern with long oil changes is people don't open the hood and make sure the oil's full um, yeah so I you know a lot of the two liter turbocharged engines that were in Audis and Volkswagens uh, for a while there, we're going through oil every five or six hundred miles. So, uh, right. yeah. so you know, if you went five thousand miles between oil changes, you could be out of oil by the time the oil gets changed. So, and yeah. the the lower the oil runs, the hotter the engine runs. The hotter the engine runs, the more likely you're going to do damage. But you're also going to coat the inside of like the oil passages for for both the engine and the turbocharger. You're going to kind of coat them with a problem, and that problem could 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 be an issue. So. Anyway, okay, Peter. Oh, Peter's gone. Sorry. And oh, do we have Joe on the phone? No. Oh, we have John from Boston on the phone. Uh, hi, John. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm calling about the electric car stuff. Um, uh, don't we have the highest electricity rates in the Northeast? You know, and, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, I think I'd like to see you after six months with the. Uh, yeah. Well, electric car. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's funny. It's um, you talk to people who charge at home, and they've they've actually had they've actually had not noticed a whole lot of you know. But you're right. We do have higher electric rates, um, and you know, are those electric rates cheaper than you know cheaper than gasoline? I'm not sure. Um, gasoline is still a pretty inexpensive product, so um, and it depends where you recharge. A lot of people that have electric cars recharge uh, at municipal stations where it's essentially free, so that can be it. But you're right; we do have some of the highest electric rates based on my electric bill. It seems like, and I live in a little tiny house, so yeah. Yeah, and then uh, now these batteries are going to start piling up after a while, aren't they? The uh, you know after they uh, depleted. You, you know, it, it's. It's funny. Um, batteries are probably the one of the most recyclable thing you can you can make. Um, you know, the shells are recyclable. All the materials are recyclable. Uh, so it's not like there's going to be a, a toxic waste dump of batteries somewhere. So yeah. So batteries, even regular lead acid batteries in our cars, um, they even make uh, when they're making the the electrolyte, the sulfuric acid in them, uh, the, the gas that comes off of it, they actually make fertilizer out of it. So, right. uh, yeah, so the plastic cases they recycle, the lead the lead plates they recycle, the goop in the bottom. But uh, a battery, uh, a conventional lead-acid battery is about 99% recyclable. So, um, and with some of these, uh, with some of these other, with some of these other ones, um, the nickel metal hydride and the lithium ion batteries, um, they're actually pretty recyclable too. The problem, the bigger problem is um, some of these batteries that that uh, that are able to 
do the long distance, whether it's Tesla or this Kia or whatever. They the problem is they can't make the batteries fast enough right now. That's a that's a bigger problem. And that's why Tesla is building this giga battery factory thing that they're building this gigantic battery factory uh, because they just they there's there's not enough batteries. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I know some of our listeners have electric cars and they say they notice. A few dollars difference in their electric bill when they charge up over regular house current. Uh, somebody I know has a an electric car and they have a regular 240 volt charging station at their house, and they said their electric bill has gone up about thirty dollars in a month, but they haven't bought any gas either. So, right? Yeah. So they said you know it really hasn't made that much of a difference. Um, they said to me, uh, somebody else I knew had an electric car, and they charged up at their house. And they also, they said charging up at their house was a whole lot cheaper than when they used to have a swimming pool and the pump running for the swimming pool. So, But you're right. We do have high electric rates here, and, uh, and uh, you know, the... the you know the best way, the best, the cheapest way to make electricity, I guess, is uh, with nuclear. But who wants one of those in their backyard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks okay. for the uh, all right. Comments. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is our name. All right. Next we have um, uh, Peter from Harwich didn't wrap up. I think oh, okay. he had another comment. All right. Well, let's talk to Peter. Peter, is that? Are you back? <laughs> Where'd you go? Yes. Why'd you, why'd you hang up? On, why'd you hang up on us? Well, I was discussing what you, ta- you said about you. The, don't uh, like us anymore. Oh, by the way, what? You don't um, like us anymore? <laughs> no, I like. I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Go, yeah, ahead, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Pete. How could I not like you, Keith? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what did you replace? Uh, what did you replace? Did you get another Hyundai? Or, yeah, uh, yeah. We uh, what what happened was my car was starting. It was it was actually just about twelve years old, and it was just starting to show some age. And um, and it was nothing. In fact, I was I was gonna keep it to the point where I got four brand new tires for it that I didn't put on yet. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time for a new car. The 2018 model was coming out, be, uh, coming out with some great incentives, and it was coming out with great incentives because uh, they were replacing it with a nicer version of the Hyundai Santa Fe. So I bought the Hyundai Santa Fe Sport, um, and it was um, I bought the base model because um, I'm poor. and uh, But it was, uh, you know... It was uh, tw- it was twenty it was twenty th- under twenty three thousand uh, dollars basic car you know you know four cylinder automatic yeah. all wheel drive right. ten year hundred thousand mile warranty what, miles, was, what was the mileage on the old car um it wasn't the mileage so much it was just get it was just it was starting to feel like it was a twelve year old car now right. if what I wanted to do. And if things were just a little bit different, uh, you know, as I've, as some people have known, I bought a little tin shack in Florida. So literally a tin house. I bought a trailer in Florida. And my thought was I really wanted to take the old Hyundai and, sh- and send it down to Florida and just leave it there for a spare car. But it was just it's too early to do that. I, we're, we're not yeah. able to go down there often hey. enough to make sense. Yeah. Well, I hope you, I hope you have your, your tin house in it. It's under some shade trees because, you know, that must be real nice in the summertime. Got to 
trying to keep that thing cool. Um, you know, we were down there two weeks ago, and it was you know in the eighties, and and yeah, the air the air conditioner run ran pretty often. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah. on the other hand, yeah, but on yeah. the other hand, it was uh, it was kind of nice, and my wife was down there uh, for about six weeks in the winter time, and when nice. I was when I was shoveling snow. She's. I. She said. Well, it's a little chilly. It's about. It's about fifty this morning, but it warms up to about seventy. So yep. I'm shoveling snow. She's looking at blue sky and sunshine. Well, that, yeah. that sounds fair. Yeah. 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 I, um, um, I was wondering. You know, this. Um, you know, we have this uh, Honda CRV, uh, which you know it's programmed for. Um, well, you know, the uh, maintenance required yep. little light sometimes yep. mm-hmm. uh, at, at 3,000 miles between oil changes, you know. It was a little big deal with the computer. I mean, can I change that without mm-hmm. going through a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, ordeal to raise that to 5,000 mm-hmm. or 6,000? Um, if that has an option to do that, I don't believe it does. I think that is based on drive cycle. Yeah, I don't think you can. My car actually has a maintenance reminder, but it's different, and it's based on you can go in and you can change it from three thousand to seven thousand. So when when I got the car, it was set up yeah. for severe service, yeah. and the first yeah. thing. But I think in your in your CRV, how yeah. it works is it's based on drive cycle. So if it's coming right. up about every three or four thousand miles, it's coming up every three or four thousand miles because it's looking at how short your drives are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, then, um, let's see. The, um, well, I just want you to know, it, when we're having a little maintenance, like when I know it's the oil change, yeah. and I yeah. like that doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. But my significant, significant yeah. other, yeah. you know, so I take, I just want, to, want you to know that uh, and then I take immediate action and put a small yes. black uh, piece of tape so over that's, it. So that's how, you, that's how you fix the problem? You make it so you can't see it? <laughs> yeah. That's from my, my my girlfriend. Yeah. Well, what <laughs> yeah. See, what what you should what you should really do is you should put a little picture of yourself over where the light is, and then she'll be looking at you all the time, and she won't be looking she won't be looking at the won't be looking at the light on. <laughs> if I could say there your you girlfriend's smart. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes. yes. Well, she um she's she's one that you know things like that you know she can't seem to cope with I, I mm. it. but you know nothing to worry about the oil change you can still go thousand, a couple thousand no problem don't worry about it we already got the oil filter just uh, don't don't pay any attention to that we know it wants, it's just a reminder for the oil change well, it, and it, that's why that's, you know, yeah because I, I don't know with the CRV I'll read the manual and see what it yeah, you know, because, I, I, I would do it every, every five yeah probably. because what what year is that it's, it's an older one because I am a creeping influence. Yeah. It's a 2005. 2005. Let's just yeah. let's just check real quick to see what the, the two the two point four motor. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's think, yeah. yeah, that's what uh, you know, and that's a that's a good little engine in that. Um, but it's um, let's see, let's see. All data does a pretty good job. What they do is they try to convert the maintenance reminders into uh, a maintenance chart. So they they kind of do they kind of do a little bit of um, a little bit of um, math I guess and say well what translates into a normal oil change and um, 
you know what what makes what makes the yeah. most sense when do you need I really to- would like to you know yeah I know this is a minor thing but I, cause, but I would really like to change that so it wouldn't come right up there you know that would go at least 5000 before the maintenance light comes on you know it's, yeah it's one of those things not for me but for my friend and you know she doesn't you know but we should you know she just I said look you don't have to worry about anything unless a, a, one of the lights is blinking at you if it blinks, when yeah, it's required, if it blinks, you know, check engine, then you got a problem. But otherwise, don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, and, and that and that is, um, you know, what all data translated that into is um, about ten thousand miles. So really? uh, yeah. is that what they recommend for this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, CRV? Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, oh. You know, and, like, and again, they well, is, they kind it of has Valvoline. it has Valvoline oil in it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. not synthetic, or well, it's yeah. a blend. Yeah, yeah. So they said ten thousand miles. Yeah, they they said ten thousand miles as a rough equivalent to how often that light comes on. So, oh, it, I, it, I, yeah. I, so, um, but I would, you know, I would, um, I would take a look. I would take a look at it and, um, yeah, you know, and see. Let's see. Well, what do you recommend? I mean, like five thousand. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm kind of a five thousand mile person. If if I don't know any yeah. better, I would say it's. A, I yeah. would say five thousand yeah. is a well, good. I, I think the, uh, the oil filters on these things are not very big. You know. Well, yeah, but they also, you know, compared to old cars. Um, yeah. You know, these cars run so much cleaner and do so much better that you, yeah. you know they they're not they're not the same way. You know, oil used to get. Uh, very, um, very contaminated. So yeah, yeah right. I mean, even I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the recommendation. You can actually, let's see. No, it's actually night. It's even even the blinking pattern. It says you know light will come on and blink for ten seconds when you start the car at about seventy nine hundred miles, and then at um, at nine thousand nine hundred miles, it'll come on and stay on for a while while the ignition switch yeah. is on. So, um, and you you know yeah. you can reset it after. Well, this so, one this one just comes yeah, on comes on. You know somewhere yeah. somewhere around between three and thirty yeah. five hundred. Yeah, and it just stays on. Yeah. it just stays on. It doesn't. But, I, course, don't, I don't see any way. I don't see any way to change it. But you know, I'm trying to look real quick here. Well, so. I've got plenty of. There, there you go. There you go. Plenty. Yeah. I, I well, tell, I'm telling you, put it. I like your, I like your idea of my my uh, my yeah. face. You know? Yeah, put your picture. Put your picture. Really like, yeah. yeah, you'll you'll gain you'll gain you'll gain you know some goodwill that way. <laughs> All right, take care, Peter. All right, All right bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Where are we going next? I think next is Tingsboro, Rob. All right, let's talk to Rob. Robert, is that you? Come on, how you doing? Good, how are you? Not too bad. This uh, one of things of yours on behavior bag recalls. Seems like every manufacturer's got them. I well, mean, they're, all, had, they're, all, they're all made by the same company. Yeah, I know. Don't you think yeah. it's the time for an alternative to the airbags? Well, it's time, to, <laughs> time for somebody else to make them. Um, yeah, you know, and, the, and the company Takata, I think, has filed bankruptcy and got bought by somebody else. But it's it's one of those it's it's one of those things that airbags. Airbags save lives. There's no question about it. Airbags will save your life. And but we also don't want airbags to kill you. And what happened? Right. And what ha- if you lived in if you lived in Arizona, 
where it's dry and warm all the time, you would never have an airbag recall. The recalls were caused by humidity and heat. So if you lived in, I don't know, you know, the if you lived in the Florida Keys, most of the time, and 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 Nantasket Beach, the rest of the time, or 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 uh, uh, or you know Portsmouth on the water, um, the the heat, the humidity is what causes the chemical inside the airbag uh, system to deteriorate. That deteriorates it, it. It affects the metal and the plastic. And when the airbag finally deploys. It, rather than staying tied to its perch, the airbag itself, the entire assembly, rips out of the top of the steering wheel, and that's what causes all the damage. Um, I have set an airbag off before for novelty purposes. Um, <laughs> it took expensive. a uh, well, no, it came out of a junkyard. So um, oh, okay, yeah. So uh, we did it as a demonstration at a school one day. And mm-hmm. there's a whole way to do it. You put it inside a couple of tires, and so you set it off, and it sounds like a shotgun shell going off. Um, and it will, uh, it will, uh, it'll jump up in the air, you know, 30 or 40 feet. So there's a lot of energy in there, and it has to be done with pyrotechnics because you need, you need to have it, you need to have it deploy quicker than, you know, quicker than the speed of sound, you know. So it to save you, it has to inflate before you hit the steering wheel. So. Um, they do, you know, they, they do save lives. It's kind of interesting. We have, we, we have two cars in our family, and neither of them have been affected by the airbag recall. And, uh, but every other car I seem to see, in fact, Honda, the, the older Hondas have been, there's still a lot of them out there. They haven't been recalled. And if you're out on the road someday and you ever see a, uh, a tractor trailer in the back of the tractor trailer. It says something like uh, "airbag recall." Check this, and it says something about Honda on it. It's because Honda Honda wants to not get sued by somebody who didn't get their airbag recalled. So they've even hired private investigators to go out and um, and try to find some of these people that haven't had their cars recalled yet. It brought yeah, there's a lot of paranoia and all that. Uh, yeah, see, I'm on my third one. I I kind of ignored it, and they sent me you know, another notice. Yep. So I finally went in. Yep. Now, the first time, they wanted to slow down the driver and passenger. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. The next time, they wanted to speed up the side curtain airbag. Oh, yeah. That's the one I said, yeah. no, I don't want to go in faster if you slow down the other yeah. ones. But I finally let them do it. Yeah. No, and, you, uh, and when you go in for service like that, uh, they're required now to, you know, you could go in for an oil change, and if they find out there's a recall done, they, they have to do it before you leave. That's Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah the, the dealership, yeah, they always scan everything, make sure I've got everything up to date. Yeah. But they did give me two months of Sirius XM as a courtesy oh, for my inconvenience. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> it's funny. I had a car back in 03, and uh, the front exhaust pipe cracked, so I brought it into the dealer to have them re- uh, replace the exhaust pipe. It was a emissions warranty, and they they said, "Oh, by the way, there's like five open recalls on this car." I said, "Yeah, but none of them amount to anything." It was yeah, exactly. it was there was a sticker missing for the airbag that you know on the visor that said this car is yep. equipped with it. There was a piece of foam that went around the jack that kept it from, I guess it could move around in a crash. There was something about. Some other switch that really didn't amount to anything. It's like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of recalls, but none of them, none of them mean anything. You know, it, it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like they're really safety-related recalls. 
uh, both uh, my wife's Volkswagen and, and uh, the Hyundai have been both subject to some recalls uh, this year, and they're both and they were all uh, computer related. So you come in yeah, and exactly. you uh, you know they they do some stuff, and of course the only the one the only one issue was that on the uh, Volkswagen they went in and they did the recall, and the car needed an inspection about the same time, and of course. It couldn't be inspected because when they did the recall, it, it wiped out the computer and the computer had to go through the drive cycle. But uh, I just took it back to work, back and forth to work a couple of times. And that, that put more than the average amount of miles on it and was able to remedy that and get it all set up so it would work. So, yeah. Yeah. And quickly, uh, on the uh, electronic, you know, transmission shift of the dials, uh, they wanted to check that because apparently 12 trucks out of the whole country had somebody doing something they shouldn't have and the thing didn't go into park. Right. But mine worked. You know, I told them it was fine. It worked the way yeah. it's supposed to, but they wanted to check it anyway. Yeah. Well, there was, there was an issue. There was an issue with, um, it, it was, it was actually, it was actually one of the, one of the guys from the Star Trek movie or something had a Jeep Grand Cherokee and, yeah, he, I think it was. Yeah, he, he forgot to, he didn't put it in park or something, then it ran him over and killed him. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, they do, it does go into park if you have it in neutral or drive, right. whether the engine is run or not. As soon as you open that door and get out, bam, it yeah. flies into park. So, yeah. You know, that catches so, you a little by surprise, doesn't it? Yeah, well, well if it works, it's good. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're one of those, you know, if you're if you're an old-time truck driver that backs up, sticking your head out the door, you know, crack the door yeah. open. Yeah, it goes yeah. right in the park, catches you by surprise. Yeah, the uh, car wash is kind of a challenge too. Yeah. I got to, you know, in neutral, I just have to tap the brake momentarily yeah. to yeah. put it drive. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yep. anyway, okay. I'll take out more of your time. All right, have thanks, a great week. All right, you yeah, too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is our number. Liz Abington. All right, let's talk to Liz. Good morning, Liz. Yes. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I had a question for you. Sure. Um, I have a 15 Chevy Impala mm-hmm. with about 36,000 miles on it, mm-hmm. and heard a noise, took it to the dealer. They told me that I had a frozen caliper either hitting the drum or frozen into the drum, which they were very happy to replace for me for a price. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I asked them, you know, what causes this, how did this happen, they really couldn't tell me. They kind of alluded that, well, it could have been a bad part. And I'm like, well, it's four years old. I would have heard that a lot sooner if it was a bad part. Mm. Um, but they, they had no idea of, you know, explaining how it happened. And I was wondering your thoughts on that. Was it was it a rear brake? Or f- yes. It was rear, yeah. Yeah, we've been, we've been seeing a lot of rear brake calipers just starting to stick and rust. Um they don't work. They don't work very hard, which is which is kind of part of the problem. And mm-hmm. um if you're somebody who drives pretty easy, they it's actually not the caliper that freezes up so much. It is the um, it's the slide mechanism that makes it work. Um, there was there was a couple of recalls on the parking brake on that car, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but not the not the caliper itself. Um, yeah, it just it just sometimes happens. Uh, I I know. Um, my previous car, I had brakes done on it, and probably two two years later, I noticed that the brakes seemed to be dragging and making some noise. I'm like, "What's that? What's that all about?" Mm-hmm. The brakes the brakes are fairly new, and sure enough, mm-hmm. on, on one side they were almost all worn out, and it wasn't it wasn't the caliper itself 
internally was bad. It was actually rusted in place. And a lot of it has to do with all the stuff we put on the roads today to make the roads safe in the wintertime. It, it plays some real havoc with metal in cars. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I appreciate your thoughts because okay. I was dumbfounded because, yeah. you know, for me, I'm a nurse and everything has a cause and an effect. But. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I think some of the, some of the cause is... Uh, corrosion from just the stuff on the road more more than just saying it's a defective part um i'm you know it's to me a to me a 2015 chevy impala is a brand new car right especially with only thirty six thousand miles yeah so yeah so uh but rust can rust can cause some problems so yeah yeah yeah. well in the northeast yeah i know I know. Okay. All, <laughs> All right. right. Thank you so All much. All right. Take care, Thank Liz. You, Thank Liz. you, Yep. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. Bob Worcester. Let's talk to Bob in Worcester. Hello, Bob. Hi, John Paul. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, you had helped me before on my wife's liberty. I called you uh, last week. And, uh, of course, uh, I found a clevis bracket that uh, sits off the bottom of the strut. I'm yep. doing the... Uh, the whole front end over as it does yep. were. So you were able to find and, that uh, part? Yes, I was. I had to go to a boneyard, but I found oh, okay. one. Okay, all right. Uh, it was reasonable, 65 bucks. Oh, I got the whole. Sh- yep. I got the strut in yep. that. Yep. So, John Paul, right now I'm going to uh, I'm going to take that off the strut. So I want to heat that bolt a little. You know, penetrating oil yep. and heat it. Yep. Is is the heat going to affect the shock? I don't need the shock. I'm tossing the shock. I got a new strut. Yeah. But um, am I gonna? It, it ain't gonna blow on me, right? I mean, you would have to. You would have to get that really hot to boil the oil inside of it. So. Yeah. Okay. No, All right. No. I. I yeah. I, I would, just. I yeah. don't want nothing. No surprises. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. 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 You know. I wouldn't. You know. I wouldn't be. You know. You know. You're only heating one spot. And, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm no. you, on the clevis bracket up up at the top with no. the bolt. I, yeah. I want to heat that up. Yeah, no, no, uh, you, you should you should be fine. But I I try you know I try a good you know a good penetrating oil first. Just soak it you know soak it. First. Oh yeah, yeah you know and and whether it's uh, uh, you know uh, there's there's some there's some good ones out on the market now that seem to work really. Yeah, well. I got the uh, PB. Oh yeah, PB Blaster is a good one. Uh, there's yeah. A, yeah, I know there's a new new one that a lot of people really think is uh, it's like krill or something like that. It comes in an orange can. Uh, it's 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 I have a can of it. It's pretty expensive though, and it it's like I don't know if this is worth if it's worth the extra money. But it's supposed to creep. It claims it creeps into all the little nooks and crevices. And, okay. Yeah. So, but no, PB Blaster is a great. You know, spray that. Yeah, Seafoam too was was a good yeah. product. Uh, I've I've, I've yeah, I've had the I've had the PB blaster, and like all things, you know, always try to snug it a little before you loosen it. You know, so you okay, know, yeah, yeah, only because then it kind of breaks off the rust a little bit before you. If you try okay. to back, if you try to back it off, and rust winds up in the threads, you're just going to bind it up. But if you if you snug, you know, not a, a lot, but just snug it a little bit if you can get it to move before you back it off. Usually that's enough. Okay. And, and if you and if it doesn't feel like it wants to move, yeah, yeah, go. Go heat it up. Go heat it up. Okay, and, yeah, yeah, do that for us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you yeah go. this has been a real chore. Yeah, uh, it sounds it. I, I thought it was the uh, half shaft, and of course it was the strut leaking on the half shaft, and 
I, I ended up doing a knuckle and uh, control line, well, a t- upper control yeah. arm and a tie rods. And well, it'll be it's brand, been a lot of brand, it's been a lot of fun. New, be brand new by the time you're done. It will be. Yeah. It's an O three, and you know, talking about the rust, uh, it's this is an O three, so you can imagine what was under there. Yeah, isn't it amazing when you watch some of the TV shows and you see, you know, they're working on they're working on some, you know, whether it's a fifteen year old car or a forty year old car, and they go over there with you know a box wrench and they go, you know, wind stuff out with no problem. I'm like, where where are these cars coming from? That, oh, you know, I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, even and my wife goes. So it shouldn't be that bad, right? And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah it's like it's you'll like, hear me, you'll hear me screaming. Yeah, it's like our car, our cars are, uh, you know, four and five years old, and they have rust like some of these cars. Especially uh, the the guys out in Texas don't seem to have any rust. Although I am amazed at the uh, the uh, what's it, the Wheeler Dealer guys from England when they're working on an English car in England when they're doing the show over there, and they yeah. they're they're over there. And I'm still looking at the stuff coming out with hand tools. And I'm like, how do they, where, where what, what is this like to work on cars like that? Honest thinking, to God, yeah, honest to God, yeah. All right, well, All right. well, that's good. I won't. Uh, it won't blow up on no, me. So yeah, like I said, don't you know? Don't <laughs> don't uh, you know? Don't you know? Heat the strut bright red. You know, just heat heat around. No. The, heat around the bolt because you just want yep. to expand a little yep. bit. That's all. Okay. Okay. T- All right. Take hey, care. Thanks, Chad yeah. Paul. Bye bye. All right. You think we have time for one more? Call yeah. Let's and take, then we take let's, break? let's let's take one more and then take a break. Okay. Then it would be uh, Mike Bridgewater. All right. Let's talk to Mike and Bridgewater. Michael, is that you there? Yeah, it is. Michael? Mm-hmm. Morning, John. Hey, how are you? Good, good, sir. Thank you for asking. I hope you're well as, as well. Um, if you if you would, would you kind of elaborate a little bit on a couple of the conversations you had with your callers earlier? You mentioned they were talking about the 5G. What is it about the 5G that's going to make the difference? Is it the speed? Is it the – what is it that's going to do? Is the well, cars going to be able to talk to each other? Is the, cars are, the, the, thing, cars, the cars are going to be able to talk. 5G is just a cellular communications program. It is um, – it is the difference between if you look at your if you have a smartphone and you look at your smartphone and you notice it's not on LTE or 4G and it's on something else and you go wow it seems awful slow it doesn't seem to want to work 5G is just a a better version of that it tends to be pretty specific but the whole idea is telecommunications so it um, okay. and and telematics so it really is the idea that cars are going to talk to each other, they're going to talk to their surroundings, and they're going to talk to anything else that's out there. Now, I'm not saying that your car, this this is where apparently where I'm not part of the 21st century at all, but um, they're talking, I guess people have things like refrigerators that are hooked up to the internet now. Do Do you have one of those? No, I don't, no, but I'm, I'm aware yeah. of it. Yeah. It tells you, you need milk, you need milk you and need eggs. Milk. Get it, them. Keeps, it keeps uh, track of you know the stuff that's in your refrigerator and lets you know when you're running out. Well, your your refrigerator might talk to your car and, and send you a message that says, on the way home, pick up a quart of milk. Um, and, but it's really, it's, but it also, if uh, you, you, know, you go to the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru all the time, your car is going to, talk to the Dunkin' Donuts and know that you're about five minutes away and get your coffee and donut ready for you. So when you're coming through the drive-thru, it's all set for you. Um, more practical things, and I, I firmly believe, as much as this sounds like um, you're, you're driving down the road, 
and there's not a lot of traffic on the road, and you're going the speed limit, 30 or 40 miles an hour, whatever it is, and the the area around you says there's no traffic, but the light's about tur- ready to turn from green to red. Well, the light knows that you're coming and there's no other traffic on the road, and it extends the green light a little bit longer. So it rather than you having to sit there stopped and not do anything, it knows that, it knows that there's nobody else on the road, so why don't we why don't we keep the light green a little bit longer? Or it knows or it knows that you're driving down the road and somebody without this technology in their car is coming the other way and it might warn you that that car is not as smart as yours and you should watch out for it. So there's there's a lot of things although as much as all of that is, I still claim somewhere in there it's marketing. Somewhere in there, somewhere in there that you, you know, you, you will say you listen to the country station and you always kind of, you know, you look at the country station and all of a sudden you're going to drive by a, uh, the, the, uh, the billboard down at uh, whatever it's called these days, whatever used to be Great Woods, the Comcast Center. And it's going to Xfinity it's, Center. It, it's going to it's going to warn you. It's going to send you a little message that says, oh, by the way. Keith Urban is going to be playing here, and you might want to buy your tickets now because it knows you're listening to the country station as you drive by, and it's going to send you a personal message about it. So I think a lot of all of this 5G may have to do with marketing, uh, but, there okay. is, but there is a lot of safety benefits to the point where you're, you're driving through an intersection, and your car realizes a car coming the other way isn't stepping on the brake, and it's going to warn you to say, hey, look, look out for that person there. And it may even, at some point, it may even step on the brake and slow you down. Yeah, it all sounds sounds really good. The yeah. whole idea. Whatever, whatever. The, I guess the, yeah, I have a friend who's whose uh, washing machine will uh, uh, let her know when the washing cycle is done or when the dryer is yeah. done on her app on the phone. The other thing, real quick, you mentioned that you had a Volkswagen issue, but you didn't say oh. anything about it. My, I'm curious, just out of curiosity. My my wife my wife called me. I was in the middle of this officiating this press conference. Uh, panel discussion. All of a sudden, my I didn't notice my phone ring, but I happened to look at it more just to make sure we were on time. And I look, and there's a text message from my wife that says, "Call me as soon as you can." And I'm like, "Uh oh." And I know she was visit. Uh-huh. She was she was going to go see her brother in the hospital in Boston. So I'm like, "Oh, I wonder what happened." So yeah. she said to me, "I'm in a parking garage and I can't shut my car off." I'm like, what do you mean? She said, the key won't turn. She said, I've jiggled the steering wheel, stepped on the brake, I've got in the car, out of the car, wiggled it, shook it. I've been here for an hour trying to shut the car off. And I'm like, "Uh, nothing I can do. I said, call AAA, I guess. And she said, except I don't know exactly where I am because um, I, I dropped my sister off at the hospital and I drove down the street to the parking garage and I'm not exactly sure where the parking garage is. So if they said to me, where are you? I'd go, I'm not sure. So um, I said, well, we can work our way around that. I said, or just leave it running. I don't know. Tell the parking lot attendant it's running. And so she ended up doing what she had to do. She came home and uh, still couldn't shut it off. And then her uh, sister's husband really forced the key and got it to shut off. I got home about 11 o'clock that night. I went out to the car and uh, dumped about a half a can of uh, royal purple lubricating oil into it, it seemed like. And it's been fine since. So um, 
I think it's going to need a new ignition switch at some point, but it's it's uh, or maybe a new ignition lock. But if I go to one or the other, they're both they're both getting done. Hey, we got to go. We're running out of time. We got to take a break and pay pay a couple. Hey, of John, I, all right, I know you got to go. All right, I hope your family members right. okay. All right, Thanks. take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. We'll be right back. Especially in the summer. Hey, look, that was Paul Sullivan's voice. I just heard it live on the air. <laughs> I told you, kill my mom. Hey, so uh, since your voice is there, the yeah. rest of you must be too, right? I guess, yeah. yeah see. Just jotting down, uh, you know, I was hearing uh, Keith say, you know, Jim Worcester, Bob yes. Brewster. So I wrote my um, my my best uh, radio names like uh, Henry from Hudson, <laughs> Tim from Wakefield, <laughs> you, you know, Teddy from Bridgewater. You got to say it with the Boston accent. Yeah, no, but, I'm just kidding. Yeah, don't but, do that. Yeah, but, but Tim Wakefield. My favorite is Esther from Leicester. I don't know yeah. about you. <laughs> I, I always like it when whoever does commercials is not from here. Oh, yeah. 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 How about like, anyone from Leicester? Yeah. Well, but, that, that's Leicester, yeah. anyway. Le- yeah, yeah. What are you but, talking about, Leicester? Or, yeah. or Leicester, whatever. How about Haven Hill? Yeah. I'm yeah. from New Jersey. I don't yeah. know the... Yeah. But it's but it's Worcester or Leo or, Minster. Or Leo Minster. Yeah. yeah, that's a great there, radio. I'm there, Leo from Minster. Yeah, yeah. but, <laughs> but there, there was it was like a gold bond commercial or something. <laughs> it, it was like it's like Jim from Leo Minster, and it's like uh, I don't think so, Tim. Yeah, it's like yeah. No, my favorite is and, and this happens more than it should because it's not even grammatically correct. Is uh, when they uh, talk about the town next to uh, Framingham and call it Natick. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there, if there were two yeah. T's, that would be natic, but yeah. it's yeah. natic, guys. Natic. I, I've, been, I've been trying to do better with temperature. Temperature. I told you, four syllables. That's all. Broadcasting school yeah. lesson yeah. 101, temperature. temperature. <laughs> the other one is uh, F-A-M-I-L-Y. How do you say that? Family? Family, not family. No, I it's say, not family. I say family. Well, it's all about family, it's but all about it's family. family. Here's yeah. a word I don't get, familial. Familial. Yeah. Yep. I think I used that in my dissertation about six times. I'm sure you did. Just to confuse people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, now, I'm I'm a writer. Yeah, you are. You write I, well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and, I, and I, always say, I always say that, but I always say No, you I write know. well. Yeah. Um, I bet he does. He does. I've read his <laughs> stuff. But I can't say, I guess if He's I've been doing it for, so. if I've been doing it for 30 years, I can't say I'm not a writer. Well, not only that, but you've had the uh, the advantage, the benefit of having an editor look at your work right. and giving That's you some right. feedback. That's, That's right. really That's uh, right. valuable. Yeah. Uh, now, though, I'm old and cranky, and I don't. They they don't they change. Aren't things. we all? They change things, and I don't. They say, "Well, do you want to see what I?" I'm like, "No, I don't care." Well, especially but, if you're like me, because the the person that's saying that is like 16 years old. Well, right? yeah, yeah. Some, well, at least you know, and, and knows everything. I wrote two two parts of this story. I wrote a story once about local car museums, and I had a young woman look at it for me, and she had a degree in something mm-hmm. that I didn't. Mm-hmm. I think was. English literature. She was waving a paper at you. Yeah, she was. She? Yeah. 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 But she said, I said, you want to take a look at this story for me before I submit it? Because I'm submitting it to win an award. Mm-hmm. And she said, 
Yeah, it was really good, but uh, paragraph three, do you think you really should have started that with... Not quite yet. Not I know. quite yet. I'm telling my story. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and I'm in the middle of an anecdote. Yeah. And, I, and I said... Okay, this said, is important. Do you, do you really want to start that sentence with a preposition? And I went, what's a preposition? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and then... No, uh, starting a sentence with a preposition yeah, is fine. It's yeah, ending it. That, yeah, that is... Yeah, I, the, but, yeah, but, and so I'm like, I, I don't know. But the, my, the three things That's I learned... That's why they call them Three things I learned from... I sat with a woman who was a professor at uh, Boston College, and she... Hot writing. All right, gotta and go. I, and I said, what can you tell me? Gotta and go. She gotta said, go, John. Gotta and she go. said, start with, you know, start with a big letter, end with a period, take a comma where you take a breath, and remember when you turn it in, it's not yours anymore. Right. That was it. You don't own it, yep, kid. You don't own it yeah. anymore. Yeah. Hey, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade, coming up next, the very best in Irish music. By the way, you can have as much of my show I, as you want. Yeah. Yeah. Keith says I can't. Well, he that's because he's go. recording it for, uh, for podcasting, yeah, yeah, podcasting to, purposes. I have to go. All right. <laughs> All right, bye. Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you next week. Bye, bye, bye. everyone. <laughs>